Hello, I'm Don Mockholtz, and you are listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 59, for the week of February 17th, 2021. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, February 17th, the moon is in our evening sky approaching Mars And it will glide south of Mars the next night, Wednesday, February the 18th. The moon will continue to brighten and set about 50 minutes later each evening. By next Tuesday, February 23rd, the moon will set an hour before morning twilight. If you have been watching the planet Mars in the evening sky, it is slowly moving toward the Pleiades, uh, Seven Sisters, also known as M45. On March 3rd, it passes a few degrees south of the Pleiades, and we'll talk more about that then. On Thursday, February 18th, the Perseverance lander is scheduled to land on the planet Mars. Last week, the space probe's HOPE, which was launched by the United Arab Emirates, and 10.01, launched by the Chinese, went into orbit around Mars. In the morning sky, but close to the sun, is a grouping of the planets Jupiter, Saturn, and Mercury. This grouping is visible all week long. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which, for our purposes, begins Wednesday, February 17th, through Tuesday, February 23rd? It all depends upon your location. The International Space Station is the only satellite that carries people around. You can look at it and say, I wonder what they're up to. This week we have five zones. All you need to know is your latitude. From 35 degrees to 60 degrees north, You can see the International Space Station in your morning sky for at least part of the week. The further north you live in this band, the later it will be in the week before you will see the ISS. So Canada and most of Russia, it will be in your morning sky near the end of the week. From the equator to 35 degrees north, The ISS will be in your morning sky for most of the week, but not for the whole week. Near the equator, you get it for only a day or two, while Egypt and Mexico City will see it in their morning sky for most of the week. South of the equator, from the equator to 30 degrees south, you will not be able to see the International Space Station at all this week. From about 30 degrees south to about 35 degrees south, 
The ISS will be in your evening sky, but only for the first few days of this week. As you head south of 35 degrees south and get to 45 or 55 degrees south, the ISS will be in your evening sky sometimes two or three times per night. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location, then click on ISS. With the moon in the evening sky, we do not have any comets to observe this week. Okay, so you are showing the moon to some people through your telescope. Now, the moon is a popular target at star parties and is second in star party popularity only to Saturn. So whenever the moon is up, we showed the moon. Sometimes we plan star parties around first quarter moon just so we can show people the moon. The first comment I would often hear is, it is so clear and I can see the craters. The second comment would be, can we see the flag on the moon? Then some smart Alec says, I thought Tranquility Base was a Hollywood soundstage. Not true. We really did land on the moon. Very cool. The answer to the question about the flag is no, the moon is too far away to see the flag. Plus, our atmosphere is not steady enough anyway to get such a clear view of the moon. Even from lunar orbit with powerful cameras, the flag itself is not visible. But those orbiting cameras do show the landing sites with the descent stage, the experiments left behind by the astronauts, even their trail of footprints and lunar rover tracks. And we do know exactly where each one landed. Can you find those sites on the moon? This week, we are going to look for the Apollo 11 landing site, our first lunar landing. It's also called Tranquility Base. This will not only help you out when someone wants to see where the astronauts landed, but on your own, use Podcast 59 Map 3 to find the landing site by yourself. On the map, it has a Latin name, Statio Tranquilliatus. I find Tranquility Base easier to pronounce. By the way, you are finding the landing site, but seen from Earth, you will not see any man-made objects on the site, nor is there an X to mark the spot. Be satisfied that the location that you are looking at is the location where Apollo 11 landed. Once again, when us astronomers look for stuff, we are satisfied when we actually see it. We look for a planet, asteroid, comet, or galaxy, and when we find it, we can see it in the eyepiece and say, well, look at that. For the Apollo landing sites, you can be satisfied that we landed where we did, and you can even say, well, look at that, 
if you want to confuse those around you. On the flip side, if someone, a friend, neighbor, stranger, or significant other looks through your telescope and says, wow, that is amazing. Yes, I can see the flag. You know they cannot see it. How you respond to them is up to you. Maybe that is why many amateur astronomers prefer self-imposed solitary confinement for their observing nights. We begin with the unaided eye view. The sun rises on what has become known as Tranquility Base about two to two and a half days before first quarter. That is when the moon is in the evening sky. You might want to wait until two days before first quarter so that more of the area is lit, but the shadows are still long and you have good contrast. As the days go on, the sun gets higher in that area and it becomes more difficult to see some of the finer detail. The sun sets on that area about two days before third quarter moon when it's in the morning sky and rises shortly before midnight. So the sun shines on that area for about two weeks each month. You may want to use this map off my website, Podcast 59 Map 3, which has four views of the moon, each with increasing magnification. The first image has a view of the whole moon with tranquility base marked. Looking at the moon, you see both light and dark areas. The dark areas are called Mary or seas, but they're not actually water, and they are of various shapes. The landing site for Apollo 11 is in the Sea of Tranquility. That is why it's called Tranquility Base. Put four of those seas together, and we can see what is often referred to as the man in the moon. If the man in the moon is facing you, then we landed in his right pants pocket. Using binoculars, you can better pick out some of the craters near the landing site. It is best if the binoculars are not handheld, but instead are on a tripod to hold them steady. Two craters, Britter and Sabine, each about 20 miles or 30 kilometers across, may be visible through your binoculars. Using the podcast map, you should be able to zero in on the Apollo 11 landing site. Now let's look at it through a telescope. In the old days, shortly after we landed there in 1969, I learned the location of a small crater called Moltke, M-O-L-T-K-E. It is four miles across, that's seven kilometers across. It was fairly easy to find in a telescope, and it is labeled on Podcast 59, Map 3, Lower Left Photo. Once you find Moki and learn its location, you can easily come back to it for years. At least that's been my experience. From the crater Moltke, the landing site is northeast about 
25 miles. Now crank up the magnification to what the atmosphere and telescope will allow. We're talking 200 or 300 power if circumstances can handle it. Use the craters Ritter and Sabine to direct you to the landing site. The crater Moki will also help you to center your location. For an extra challenge, find the craters Aldrin, Collins, and Armstrong. They form a line north of the landing site. The crater Armstrong is three miles across, that's five kilometers. The crater Collins is two miles, and that's uh, three kilometers across. Aldrin is about the same size as Collins, but I have found that the crater Aldrin is the most difficult of the three to find. You will not see anything at the actual landing site, but there it is. Tranquility Base on the moon. The Messe Marathon, an attempt to find and observe in one night all 110 galaxies, clusters, and nebula, cataloged by Charles Messier, is best held in late March when all of the objects can be seen from mid-northern latitudes. But it can be done any time of the year. It's just that you'll find fewer than all 110 Messe objects. Each month for the past year in these podcasts, I set aside a few minutes to discuss what a Messe marathon would look like at that time. So I did a Messe marathon on the night of Wednesday, February 10th, Thursday, February 11th. I used my 10-inch, 25-centimeter F3.8 reflector at about 36 power. As I said a couple weeks ago, This February marathon could be started three hours after evening twilight and you won't miss a thing. Well, I began about a half hour after evening twilight and in 52 minutes I had 45 objects. I then spent some time doing some other observing, massive marathon sequences, and then got back to the Messe objects finding two more be for going to bed 100 minutes after I started. I got up six hours later and continued where I left off, hitting the Virgo group, those many faint galaxies, when they were nearly overhead. And this section was quick, taking about four minutes, and then working my way towards the eastern horizon. Near dawn, my last object was M54, as the remaining objects had not yet risen. So I missed M55, 75, 15, 2, 72, 73, and M30. My total for that night was 103 of the 110 Messe objects, a a good run. This was the 62nd Messe marathon that I have started. Sometimes clouds have come in and I've been unable to finish the marathon in the morning. That's happened 16 times. So this is the 46th Messe Marathon that I have completed. And once again, I found them all by memory. 
No star charts or setting circles, just a pre-printed checklist to mark off the times of observations. It's much faster that way. Our late March Messe Marathon this year has a problem with the coronavirus, which limits group gatherings. That also happened last year for most astronomy clubs. However, one can always do the marathon solo. This year also has a problem with the moon. The moon is full on March 28th, making the Messe Marathon nearly impossible during that week, and that is typically the best week of the year for the Messe Marathon. For those wanting a weekend night, a Saturday night with nearly no moon in the sky, then Saturday, March 13th, and Saturday, April 10th would be the best nights. From mid-northern latitudes, you can probably get 109 objects on March 13th and 14th, barely getting M72 and 73 in the morning twilight. You will not be able to pick up M30. In the evening sky, the Messe objects M77, M74, and M33 are all well above the horizon and easy to pick up. Now, if you wait until April 10th, then those morning objects, including M30, are all visible and fairly easy. But the problem will now be in the evening sky, because now M77, 74, 33 will have set by twilight, and M31, 32, and 110 will be better seen in the morning sky just before twilight rather than in the evening sky. Two more objects, M52 and M103, can also be observed in the morning sky. But you must get M76 in the evening as it will not be available in the morning sky. So the maximum possible for April 10th, 11th is 107 of the 110 objects. If you are not confined by weekends, then you could go out as late as Thursday, March 18th, with a 25% moon in the sky and get 109 objects. Two nights after that, March 20th, the moon will be brighter and within a few degrees of M1, making that invisible. I know that from experience. And beyond M20, the moon becomes too bright to conduct a reasonable Messe marathon. Now, here's another option. In 1984, I did a Messe marathon when the moon was just three days past full phase. I found the first 65 objects before moonrise, then handled the morning objects with a bright moon in the sky. This year, one could do the marathon on Tuesday, March 30th, two days after full moon, and if you can still pick up M77, 74, and 33 in the evening sky, then you have a good shot of getting all 110 objects in one night. But you will have a 92% full moon in the morning sky. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week? The moon is bright in our evening sky, headed towards full phase next week. And with the moon in the sky, go out with the unaided eye, binoculars, and or a telescope. 
and find the Apollo 11 landing site. They did. And think about doing the Messe Marathon this year in mid-March or mid-April. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don, podcast episode number 59 for February 17th, 2021. I'm Don Mockles. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com. Two H's. You can contact me at dontheastronomer at gmail.com. Once again, dontheastronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We will discuss what's up in the sky, and I'll discuss time, yes, time, such as universal time and how it relates to your time zone. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.